BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, a 15-year-old girl leaves Britain for Syria to join the ISIS caliphate. Was she seeking an Islamist utopia or was she a terrorist? We'll review season two of I'm Not a Monster, the Shamima Begum story. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hi, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Kevin, thank you for the Russell Stover heart candy box that you gave me for Valentine's Day. <laughs> I know that everyone is on pins and needles about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was not a Whitman sampler. Just as good. Just as good. Also a heart-shaped box. Just as good. There was not an orange cream one in the box, which I super appreciated. For $4.99, I thought. There is, a, however, a strawberry cream one in the box, which I am avoiding. That's kind of gross. <laughs> also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of The Final Curtain, Lara Bricker. Hey, Lara. Hey, Rebecca. I got some uh, dark chocolate sea salt caramels. Nice. Yeah. And uh, my son's like, Mom, you paid eight bucks for those? I'm like... They're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. More Sorry, expensive well. than my Russell Stover's. Chocolate and salt <laughs> is so underrated. It really it's is. It's great. I know. Yeah. It's good stuff. Those little brownie bites from Trader Joe's. Oh, man. Oh, my God. We had them at the Super Bowl. They were super good. And finally, our captain of all things cynical, the author of the City Trilogy, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. So, Kevin, this is Monday's Fine Podcast. Yeah. What is coming up on Thursday's show? On Thursday, we're going to be talking about the documentary, The Pez Outlaw. Okay, like Pez, like P-E-Z. P-E-Z, like the candies with the head that flips up, comes out of the dispenser. Yes. Candy comes out of the neck. The neck. (laughs) I want some neck candy. (laughs) I want some Adam's apple candy. (laughs) Eat it up. Well, I have something that we're celebrating today that I'd like to make an announcement about. All right. Today... Monday, February 20th, 2023, the day this podcast comes out, is Bear Brook Season 2 launch day. Yay! This is a great uh, baby being born into the world by my day job, New Hampshire Public Radio, the great reporter, Jason Moon. What was Season 1? What? Oh, no, I just... 
We didn't review it on the podcast, so it's like it didn't happen. Dude, it came out in like 2018. It's a long time ago. <laughs> it's wild. It's a whole pandemic ago. I know. Pre-pandemic. I know. It's been downloaded more than 21 million times, Bearbrook Season 1, and Bearbrook Season 2 is finally being born. I have been in on some of the group edits for it. I have listened to most of it so far, but as of today... You can hear the whole thing if you want, if you're on Stitcher Premium, or you can listen to episode one on all of the apps. And Kevin, I want to play a little clip of it in the business section, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Do all it right. then. We'll do it then. Does it mean if the business section means we're going to charge them? No. I'm oh, playing a little well, clip. Then, all right. Well, then well, I guess we'll do it in the nonprofit section. I want to play a quick clip of episode one of Bearbrook in the business section. So okay. stay tuned for that. Listen to the business section and uh, you'll hear a little bit of that. All right. We have a lot to talk about, about the podcast we're talking about today. So I think we should get right to it. What do you think? Do it. All right. I'm going to drop that first clip right now. I'm curious about how you think people perceive you. As a danger, as a risk, as a potential risk to them, to their safety, to their way of living. In 2014, a 15-year-old East London girl left for Syria with two of her friends to live in the so-called caliphate. After Shamima Begum was captured in a refugee camp in 2019, the British public was enraged by her attitude that she'd done nothing wrong and for downplaying the violence committed by ISIS. She left the comfort of this country to be with terrorists. She was radicalized in this country and she needs us right now and she doesn't. No, 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 there is no room for do-gooders yeah, on this She's 19, she's still somebody's little girl. Jane emails and says the girl is a traitor. It would be the biggest Was she trafficked? Injustice. Was she groomed? Now, you said she should rot in hell. She it should be done for treason. Journalist Josh Baker traveled to Syria to interview the evasive prisoner, then retraced her steps to fact check her story that she went to the caliphate to practice fundamentalism, not to become an ISIS soldier. I used to get information about the activities of ISIS. I was passing the in- what? I was passing this information to the Canadian embassy in Jordan. BBC Sounds and Radio 5 Live present season two of I'm Not a Monster, the Shamima Begum story. Josh Baker explores war-ravaged Syria to discover the network which smuggled her into ISIS territory, examine her life as a soldier's bride in the caliphate, and confirm whether or not the British teen was an active combatant against coalition forces. The host repeatedly risks his safety to answer the simple question, should Shamima be believed? Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about very significant plot points from season two of I'm Not a Monster through episode six. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. So, Toby, you sent a very interesting note, which says this feels like a late era John le Carre story. What do you mean by that? You know, John le Carre sort of made his name and fortune doing Cold War, like spy novels. And then when the Cold War ended, the novels that he started writing were often about non-state actors. You know, I mean, there's like drug companies and there's one about like the war in Chechnya. And this kind of seemed like in that same vein where it's people who are getting caught up in these forces that aren't the traditional sort of Cold War East versus West type of thing. It's it's going to Syria where, you know, there's a government and there's ISIS and the sort of international conflicts are played on a on a scale that's a lot different. It's not nuclear warheads. It's individuals going to fight 
for religious reasons or some other cases, political reasons, and then non-state actors like ISIS being strong forces on, on the world stage, I guess. So it's kind of like politics, but not in the old sort of bipolar sense that it used to be. Well, you know what season two of I'm Not a Monster reminds me of? What? Season one of I'm Not a Monster. In what because, way? Well, just because when you, when you think like Josh Baker couldn't possibly do the same kind of fantastic story where you take a woman from the West who goes to the caliphate and then comes back and says, oh, I didn't really do anything. And he says, well, I'm going to fuck around and find out and goes to Syria and fucks around and finds out. He does it again with this British woman, because you know, a very similar story. But I think this, the difference between Sam Sally from season one and uh, Shamima in this season, obviously there are some cultural differences. There is the ethnic difference, but... The age difference is not the insignificant. The age difference, yes. It's not insignificant. I don't think Sam's story was really big news in the U.S. for all, you know, for all that it meant. This is a big story in the U.K., Shamima left when she's 15. She's still very young, still comes off as immature and sort of her mm, whatever attitude does not help her case. But the idea that, okay, tell me what you say and I'm actually going to go find out what happened. And if that means getting in a taxi cab with some guy that might have picked you up eight years ago and asking if he remembers you, that's exactly what I'm going to do. The reporting chops are incredible, Laura, but so is the luck in that taxi scene where they are looking for this one specific cab and they're going from like taxi stand to taxi and then all of a sudden they're like, that's the car. <laughs> 0522. Oh my God. That's the car in front of us. It is. Oh my God, how did you spot that? <laughs> okay, so we're going to just see where he goes. There's so many moments like that in this podcast, but Josh does have this like, very specific, and we, I know that he's a wide-ranging reporter who can do a lot of things, mm -hmm. but to our ear, he does have a specific specialty, right? Yeah, and as I listen to him, first of all, I love his reporting. I love the tenaciousness of his reporting, the depth of his reporting, and the credibility, because he gets to the bottom of shit. He is like the UK version of Leah Satilli. So, like, we have Leah Satilli who has this niche with right-wing extremists in the U.S., and Josh Baker is now cultivating his own niche in the U.K. with regard to terrorist groups and these women that are taken in by them. And he is really tremendous at reporting those stories. What I like about Josh is that he is obviously incredibly skilled, incredibly experienced. We know that he was once injured in a car bombing. You know, we hear him break a huge news story while he is reporting this story. But he's obviously a middle class, uh, which means, you know, fancy, uh, white British guy, right? And he partners with local reporters in places like Syria and he centers them in his storytelling. He doesn't take credit for the stuff he doesn't know how to do that they know how to do. I mean, we hear their voices on tape. We hear that he is incapable sometimes of navigating these situations without his reporting partners. And he is not in any way like trying to pretend like it was all me out there, right? Like it's some of my favorite parts of the podcast are when he and Sarah are like going around um, Raqqa and there's one scene where they're in this hotel with this like gangster guy who's just, you know, scary in every regard. And you just know that like there's no way he'd be there 
or be able to navigate it or be able to know what to ask or how to phrase a question, even if he spoke the language, without somebody who sort of deeply understood the context. And he is just completely unselfish about sharing the spotlight, sharing the reporting, and sharing all the credit with his co-reporters. And that is just something that I just appreciate and love about him and that is unfortunately kind of rare. So, Kevin, you describe Shamima as an unreliable narrator, and I think that that's fair. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously. And, you know, the worst kinds of unreliable narrators are ones who are telling a story that cannot be verified in any way, and they are very happy being unreliable. I mean, you wonder what could Josh possibly fact check like eight years later. But he goes in and he finds he kind of discovers, you know, this trafficking network where they're trafficking people, particularly women, from outside the caliphate in because that's, for lack of a better term, a product that they need on the inside of their little government. And he also does this thing where, you know, he just talks to different cab drivers and then finds the guy who brings the electricity to all the people in ISIS. It's like, do you remember this guy? Not all the people, just like 500 houses. Just 500. That's his deal. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's like the milkman. Sure, I remember those terrorists. And it just, it's amazing that he does that. I think about... What was the guy's name from Deliver Die in L.A.? Oh, where Neil, what's his face? Yeah, where he's sitting in his car all night staking out some house, and then the guy comes up, and he's too chicken to get out of the car and ask him anything. Or Brian Reed in S-Town, where he's like, I'm going down to the S-Town to find out if this hillbilly killed somebody, and there's the hillbilly in the pool hall, and he's like, I'm going to talk to him some other time. Yeah. And it's like, Josh is like, Fuck this noise. I'm going to knock on each one of these doors and find out, did anybody know this woman? And did she happen to walk around with a gun and threaten people and make suicide vests for everybody? And what? I'm going to break into this bombed out building where there might be explosives. Yeah. No problem. Mm -hmm. That was a crazy scene. (laughs) Well, it's not no problem, Toby, because there are harrowing scenes where he's actually very much in danger. Right. And we do hear other people in other podcasts acting as if they are frightened. (laughs) And there is real fear and real suspense in this podcast, unlike any I've ever heard in any other show. She turns to someone in the apartment and asks them to phone a man called Abudi so he can come here and deal with this. Let's go. Go, come on. Just go. Go, go. Mustafa, let's go. Let's go right now. Come on. Yes, let's just go. She got aggressive. Can we leave? Yeah, very far. She's in the car. We're all in the car. We need to move out of the area. I mean, I was thinking specifically about the scene where he's he's at the cab company and he's sort of talking to this guy and they finally like the vibes get too bad and they get out of there and Josh is like, I I wonder I think back. Was he just keeping us there until somebody else showed up? Like, were, were we? Was he trying to keep us around? So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we're all kind of making the same point: is that you know, it's, it's not performative. It's not performative. It, it's, it's, it's brave. He's got neither false bravado nor false like modesty or like trying to play it down. It's like, no, this is a date. Well, I, I mean, I think you would assume that like cruising around trying to find out stuff about ISIS in Syria is probably going to be dangerous, but he kind of gives you the details in a sort of a matter of fact way. It's generally, I mean, you know that he's alive because he's making this thing, but he gets themselves into these situations 
where it's like, man, you know, it's a lot different than most of the stuff we listen to in that way. All right. I want to talk about Shamima's story and what actually happened to her and what she did in just a minute. But before we get there, Kevin, we just take a minute and do our business section. You are dying to do the business. It's a risk. I know it's a little scary. We're taking (laughs) a risk. We're in danger. Not really. That's, that's performative. That's I just what thought it, about what was it Lost Hills where the scene where the reporter decides she's going to sleep in the tent overnight. Oh my overnight. god. Pretends to be scared. Yeah, the there's like time. crickets. I'm like, oh no. <gasps> oh my god. And Dana. then you got this. Or in season one where he's walking through the, the prison. Like, oh, you know, there might be dead bodies underneath. In that the, hole. Fucking A. Yes. Okay. Well, you know what didn't happen to him is there wasn't a penny left on one of his car seats. That would have freaked him out. Do you remember that? Oh, man. All right. Well, Rebecca, I mean, let's start the business section. Yes. Music and all. I think let's cut the music just for a second because you want to play a clip from season two of Bear Brook. Yes. It's called Bear Brook. A true crime story. It is. And can I just like... Set up the clip, yeah. I I just want to talk about what it's about for just a second. If anybody listened to the last season of Undisclosed, it was about the Jason Carroll case, a very likely wrongful conviction case here in New Hampshire, a state that believes it has no wrongful conviction cases. There's never been an overturned murder conviction in the state of New Hampshire, which is wild. Uh, This is a kid who was convicted in a very complicated case. He was just a kid at the time. He's been in prison since like 1991. Undisclosed covered the case. Jason Moon did a ride along with Undisclosed. And now he has reported the story again, sort of from a slightly different angle. But he is also examining the fact of true crime storytelling and the fact that cops do it, too. Prosecutors do it, too. And the fact that some stories stick and some stories don't and how that plays into these wrongful convictions. All right, I'm going to play the clip right now. If you had to pick one moment that started all of this, that was it. Depending on what you believe, this was the moment the truth was wrenched free or the moment a lie that refuses to die was born. For the rest of this series, we're going to unpack that moment. And believe me, there is so much to unpack. Including one thing I haven't told you yet. One of the cops you heard interrogating Jason Carroll was his mom. We want the truth out of you. Do you think I'm going to love you any less? I don't know. I don't know. People who tell true crime stories, people like me, do this kind of stuff all the time. We save a surprising detail for when we need to make sure you stay interested. It can make for better storytelling. It can be manipulative. In this case, I did it, and I'm telling you I did it, as a demonstration. Because journalists are not the only people who tell true crime stories. Detectives, lawyers, witnesses, suspects, they all tell stories about what happened in a given case. And like every storyteller, they make choices about what to put in and what to leave out, what to emphasize and what to ignore. And sometimes those choices can change everything. Okay, that's season two of Bear Brook, and you can get it in your Bear Brook feed or find it wherever you get your great podcast. Your favorite ones like here. 
Yes. Other things that you can listen to? Listen to it. Download it. You're going to love it. You are. I you just also, know it. You can also listen to the great things we have on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Among that, we're going to be uh, talking about on the next Crime Writers on After Show, all of those unidentified flying things that are coming over the U.S. UFOs. We happen, what are they called? UFOs. UFOs. <laughs> we happen to have on our panel... An expert. An expert. We want to hear what Toby Ball has to think about, and I'm just saying, using air quotes here, Chinese balloons. Yes. Also, uh... In China, they just call them balloons. They just call them balloons. We have the latest episode of Married With Podcast, where we talk about all sorts of romance stuff, like... One listener wanted to know, how do I tell my husband what I like in bed? Mm. And we said, PowerPoint. Tell him. PowerPoint. <laughs> yes, that was actually the move. We said, Esperanto. PowerPoint. Yes, <laughs> Here's a diagram. Here's a schematic. Just <laughs> point to it. What's point right with, to what's it. the thing with the flags? <laughs> Semaphore. Semaphore. <laughs> This way. Right. Yeah. You gotta do it like a guitar, those guitar lessons where you put little numbers on different things yeah, and you just like call them out at the right time. The bouncing ball over oh, the words. Ooh, C sharp. C sharp. Karaoke. Yeah. We also have episodes of Leave It to Bricker and Toby Ball's latest Deep Dive Book Club podcast. One last thing to plug. You guys are doing an event called Noir at the Bar. Laura, what's that all about? So this is a gathering of crime writers. It's going to be happening in Portsmouth, New Hampshire at the Book and Bar. I have not been there. I've had a lot of friends go there. It's a really cool kind of place. Yeah, we went there last week. I was literally just there, yeah. Yeah, and so it's at 8 o'clock. Toby and I are going to be among a group of crime writers reading from our scariest works. Now, I don't think they realized I write cozy mysteries when they invited me to this, but I will try to find something super scary to read. Nice. That's very exciting. All right, check that event out. And uh, Kevin, does that end our business section? That ends our business section. All right, sign up for our newsletter at crimewriterson.com, and I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out right now. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. 
All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. So, Laura, we need to talk about the fact that these three girls who went mm-hmm. to Syria from, by all accounts, their fairly comfortable lives in England were 15 years old. I could not get that out of my head the entire time I was listening to this. Uh, and, you know, it sounds like they were, you know, basically communicating online with people who are very, very, very good at this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, it's terrifying. I mean, you hear the story and and you're listening to this and you're listening to how Shamima and these other girls are taken in by ISIS and how they're, you know, making plans and like, no, we just knew how to make the plans. Like, we just knew the language. Like, we knew how to speak Turkish. We looked it up on the Google. But then when you take a step back, okay, I have a 16-year-old son. And I'm like, imagine a year ago, his counterparts and his classmates being in the situation, that is terrifying. And thinking of it from the perspective of the parents that are trying to get the girls out once they are there, you realize, like you said, the the, the level of manipulation that is at play here where these guys are able to cultivate and nurture these relationships Groom. to the point they're grooming Groom. yeah grooming yeah but but when you look at the age of the girls and you look at the level of what they do based on these interactions and then you think of yourself as a parent being in that situation it's terrifying if you need anything from us don't cry don't cry please don't cry we'll do everything that we can yeah okay all right i'll let you go now That's sad, man. That was hard. And you think of this mother. I mean, I'm thinking of myself in that situation. Like, can you imagine the last time you see your child is at a bus stop and you don't even get a hug goodbye? It's heartbreaking. Yeah. So, Toby, though, you, like me, have an observation about this, right? Because we are talking about teenagers and there are other instances in the news of teenagers doing things that are, I would argue, worse than running away because some propagandists and groomers convinced you to than Shamima did. And Shamima's never going to be forgiven by basically most of the country that she grew up in and belongs in, right? But, she doesn't belong anywhere. She's no citizenship. Right. right now. But I think, I think there's an argument to be made that a child who made a yeah. mistake should be given a chance to show that she made a mistake and, and reintegrate, right? Um, but to, I mean, that's an opinion. Yeah. Uh, but Toby, like... There are other people her age and older than her who society has forgiven and moved on, right? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the, the person who always comes to mind is that Stanford swimmer um, mm. who was convicted of sexual assault. And then basically the judge was like, you've got such a promising future. I'm not going to like ruin it just because you happen to rape somebody. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it is, you know, I, I don't know if he necessarily kind of goes into it in the podcast, but I think there there are questions about who gets a second chance in this world and 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 who doesn't. And it seems like in this situation, I mean, she's 15 years old. Right. I mean, she's basically she's 15 years old. She's as far as you can kind of tell. I mean, she's kind of caught in that. I mean, somewhat similar, I guess, to the way you know, Adnan is portrayed, like in Serial, where you're kind of got a foot in each of two worlds. 
And she gets, you know, she becomes very dogmatic about one of those worlds and the way 15 year olds can be right. She's, she's a teenager and, you know, takes a very black and white decision to go, even though her complaints about her parents are largely, I can't be as Western as I want to be. Like, I don't want to dress up like a slut, but I also don't want to have to dress like this kind of thing. <laughs> right, right. And then she's like, so I'm going to go and go to Syria. Uh, <laughs> and not be able to uncover my eyes when I go outside. Exactly. Which them. seems a little counterintuitive. But yeah. So anyway, I you know, the idea that some decision you're made where people who are actually professional adults whose job it basically is to convince people to do these things, that you fall prey to that, take actions based on that, and then suddenly that's it for you. Right. Seems incredible based on, and just like you, all you have to do is like read the, if you're just thinking about England, you just have to read the sports section a little bit to hear about soccer players who are getting away with stuff. Yep. And, you know, they're good soccer players, so they keep going. Yeah, this is what all I keep thinking about. Wait, what you said, these men and people, and it's also women too who are in, inside who are also basically used to do this, they target people outside to bring them in. And it is their job to do it. They're trained to do it. They know what works and they do it. And it is a tactic, right? They're not like, I fell in love with only you. And this is the only time I've ever done this. This, this is their job. And they cast a net and they, they target hundreds and hundreds and thousands of young people. And maybe they get some tiny percentage of those and then some tiny percentage of the ones that they get, then they're able to convert to actually come down, right? There's tons of reporting on this. They target like them through- Like any kind of phishing scam. Yeah, yeah. They, they target funnel, them through, yeah. through video games, through Xbox chats. They target them through Facebook Messenger, through Signal. Through I mean, this is like a known thing that ISIS did, right? So Shamima was susceptible to it. She and her two friends happened. I think one of the reasons why this was such a huge story is because the three of them went together, right? Yeah. She goes there, and then in order to escape this horrible rooming house she's in, she marries this on-tape, admittedly, abusive guy who basically tells Josh that he's an abusive guy who, like, you know, she has to obey him. She is 15 years old. Josh asks you, so you were sleeping with essentially a child, and yes, it's like ooh. Well, I think she understood what she was getting into. Yes. Oh, so she didn't obey you. But then there was that little caveat. Well, she has to do what I want, or, or unless she has a good reason not to. Right. Yeah, like who how, determines that? See how good face. that works. <laughs> yeah. So you expected Shamima to be obedient to you? Yes. What does obedience look like to a husband? When I ask her to do something, then if she does it. It's not very hard. What if she doesn't want to do it? If she has a valid excuse, she doesn't have to do it. It's an interesting way of phrasing it, a valid excuse, because that doesn't seem like there's much choice in that dynamic between the two of you. No, there is not, actually, no. This girl was groomed and then abused. And then you hear on tape people in England who were like, they're saying, if you knew what I knew, she's terrifying, she's dangerous. How is she dangerous? Well, I could kind of answer I mean, that. Well, she's, she's propaganda. I mean, let's, okay. Yeah. So this is the thing, this is the thing we haven't quite gotten to yet. The other reason aside from sexual enslavement that they're bringing people in is propaganda, right? Because they want to make these videos that show the world how wonderful the caliphate is and bringing people in like Shamima and then using them for that reason is, is propaganda purposes, right? Right. Now, I'll say that here in the America, we don't really have a, a good sense of sort of what the overarching story is and we're getting that piece by piece and Josh doing a great job of that 
what is in the press, the allegations are that when she was there, what she ended up doing was becoming a recruiter and an enforcer and somebody that walked around with a rifle and was very abusive to women in the caliphate. That could be all rumor. That could be lies. There could be truth to that. You know what I'm guessing? Josh Baker's going to find out what happened there. I'm guessing. But that is, that's part, that's part of this. That's one of the reasons why we're not quite getting that. But that's one of the reasons why people are like, fuck this girl. It's not because she went to ISIS. It's because she went to the caliphate and is alleged to have done X, Y, and Z. How and many so that's cult, what we're getting at. But how many cult stories have we seen where abusers become... Oh, sure. Abu- abu- yeah. Abuse victims become abusers. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, none of that could be true. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Well, and I think we have sort of this window through Josh's reporting into sort of three very distinct time periods in her life, in her relationship with ISIS and her mental state as to where she is. I mean, in the beginning, we have this very naive 15-year-old girl who is groomed and cultivated and brought in. And then you have a girl who is 15 who is having to exist within a terrorist group. And can you imagine what that's doing to her? And then you have the final part, which is where we first hear from her, which is out in this camp. And she's been there for like, Four years and she can't leave. And so when you think about it in that context from naive 15 year old girl to now in a detention camp for four years when Josh shows up to speak with her, it's really I mean, it's it's really a study in manipulation. Um, oh, my gosh. It's the word we use all the time. Course of control. You can see how she in, you know, needing to survive. I don't know what she did or didn't do, you know, like you said, Kevin, but it, it makes sense that she would have been doing things that she normally wouldn't have been doing. But, you know, you wonder, like, what's the next step for her at this point? Because it's really timely that this is coming out now because she's she's in the news now because her lawyers are trying to fight for her right to come back into the UK. And if that happens, what what is her, I don't want to say prognosis, that's not the right word, but like, What is her track forward from something like this? Right. I mean, can you come back from something like this? Right. I mean, I will just say, even if she believed all those things at the time and did all those things at the time with malicious intent, she was coerced. And I mean, she was programmed and co. I mean, she was 15. She was 15. And if we can sit here and say that somebody who was under Keith Raniere's control did shitty things to other women because they were indoctrinated when they were young and brought like this is the same thing. It's just on a global political stage. So it's scarier, but it is the same thing. It's the same techniques. It's the same patterns. And it is like it's scarier because it's been made scarier. And it, it obviously is bigger, but it's not that different. So, Toby, I just want to ask you like a basic like question as a listener. I don't know if you experience this in the same way I do, but Josh will sometimes say these like, incredibly ambitious things such as for instance there's a rumor that this smuggler of people into syria from turkey is actually a canadian spy no one knows but i'm gonna find out (laughs) and i'm like how the fuck were you gonna find but i should know by now that if josh baker says he's gonna find out it means he's like found out it's wild right 
Yeah, you know, it'd be it'd be interesting to talk to him just about like dead ends that he pursued because he doesn't really get into those. But well, I, what I can assume he find out exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I just I assume he must do a whole bunch of different things to come up with the stuff that he gets. But yeah, it, it's it's pretty incredible. It's like, well, you know, I talked to some guy. Here, I found this woman who's in MI5 and did this, and she'll talk about some stuff. And then I talked to a senior Canadian intelligence officer, and it just seems like he's got people everywhere who he can talk to. Like, who has a Canadian intelligence officer that they they can talk to? So it, it, it's pretty remarkable. And it's also interesting that he that he chooses podcasting to be his outlet for this. You know, I mean, I think it's the kind of thing that, previously would be like a book <laughs> yeah you know but there's, it's, there's a documentary it's, it's, as well yeah we should say that's the only time i ever kind of just slipped out of the podcast for a second when he said that he was filming something yeah it's a documentary it's a documentary well. yeah so if you just if like you're, season one if you're in the uk you can see it now on bbc player or whatever the their thing oh, is i can get that with my vpn oh uh, whatever <laughs> wow, i mean interrupt toby freaking but yeah vpn oh, <laughs> i need to get it so i can watch happy but valley. season one was also a, a documentary and then and then a podcast yeah. but i but what i i know from talking to josh that he produces the podcast as a separate product of the documentary he thinks of it as a different medium he reports it like he produces it and reports it separately and he actually thinks of delivering the information for the medium separately and there's like additional stuff in the podcast that isn't in the documentary because he knows like it's for audio. Toby, don't you think this is a great example of sort of the idea of theater of the mind because you're going to have two products. One, you're going to be able to see some of those scenes and another one, we're listening to that and we're picturing that. Well, I think what you're getting at is that the picturing your mind of some of those scenes is really vivid in a way that like other podcast scenes and other podcasts just aren't. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, he's like uh, the storytelling, you know, part of it's the writing, but I think it's also his delivery and, you know, a fair amount of the stuff is on the ground while it's happening. Um, yeah. It's just, it's interesting. Cause I, I, I guess I'd known that there was a, a film documentary that was part of this project but you know it's clearly its own thing right it's it's definitely written as a podcast in ways that if you're listening to the, the sound from some of those ones that you just get the sound feed for is mm-hmm. completely different i mean i think he it's it's an example of and we we certainly talk about times when like network television or like newspapers like don't get podcasting and that they kind of put out the kind of thing that sort of is indicative of their industry, but doesn't really exploit what podcasting does well. And this is kind of like the exact opposite of that. It is, is that exactly I think he really, yes. he really does use all the possibilities that are there and sort of the advantages that podcasting has over some other mediums in a way that's, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I'd like to see the, the, the actual video documentary when it comes out and sort of compare the two. Kevin, one thing I want to make on that note. Yeah. The sound design in this, superior. I don't know if you listen to it on two of both of your headphones. Yeah. 360 sound design, Doppler effect when cars go by, music mixing, suspense. It was like cinematic. I mean, the sound design in this podcast, season one was the same way. The sound design in season two is one of the most superior sound designed narrative podcasts I have ever listened to. Talk about making use of the medium, right? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, 
and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out I'm Not a Monster, season two? Clearly a huge disappointment for all of us. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for I'm Not a Monster season two? Yeah, this is a big thumbs up. Josh Baker is a tremendously talented, diligent, and persistent journalist. And, you know, that comes through in this podcast. He doesn't just take Shamima's word at what happens. He goes out and tracks down and fact checks everything that she tells him regardless of how much time has passed. And in addition to knowing that you're getting information that is totally accurate and has been vetted, you're also getting a story that really has a humanity to it when you're listening to how Shamima and these three girls were taken in by ISIS and the fallout to not only them, I mean, Shamima's now living in a refugee camp, but also to their families and what has happened as they're trying to get them back. So, I mean, I think, and I said this in our review, but I think, you know, we've got Leah Satilli in the U.S. who has a real niche with these sort of extremist groups. And Josh Baker is like the U.K. counterpart to her. So when something comes out that he's done, I want to listen to it because I know it's going to be good. Toya Ball, what do you think? I'm not a monster. The Shamima Begum story, thumbs up or thumbs down? Yeah, so I I really like the first season of, of I'm not a monster. I think this season is better. You know, I'll, I'll let other people sort of encapsulate some of the other things. I mean, obviously, the uh, reporting is great. I mean, every everything's like top notch. I'll just sort of point out that one of the things I think he does really well are these sort of harrowing scenes that he finds himself in these situations in season one, for instance, where they're in, I think, the old prison. And he's like walking around and he's giving this very visceral uh, description of that. There's a few things like that as far as we've listened to in this season including one at a, at a cab, a cab company. It's just very sort of suspenseful and harrowing and not in a way that's forced or seems like he's drawing attention to it. It's just like, this is kind of what happened. And this is the situation we're in. And it's really sort of like heart pumping stuff. And so that's just like one facet of what is just generally, it's so well reported, so well written, so well constructed, really, you know, using podcasting as a medium just super, super effectively in telling this sort of interesting and I think also important story. So given all that, you know, I'm clearly a a very big thumbs up for this. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, thumbs up. Josh Baker is the shit. If you told him you dropped your wallet in the volcano, he would rappel down and look for it. 
And I feel bad for his uh, girlfriend or wife because if she ever says, I didn't put the cap on the toothpaste, Josh Baker will go to the Colgate factory and he will fuck around and find out. <laughs> um, he's And she didn't wipe out the sink. Did yes. you, do you think he's still dating that woman who gave him the bad haircut that time? I in don't know. Interview? <laughs> but he's brave in all the right ways, in all the professional and personal ways that you want a journalist to be. This story he's investigating is endlessly fascinating. And he'll go and talk to Shamima and get a little fact and then go to Syria and figure it out and come back. He obviously didn't really travel back and forth, but it's storyboarded so well. And, you know, along the way, there's people dropping off secret files. There's running into bombed out houses, meeting with smugglers, and then talking to a a woman who just is so evasive in what she wants to tell. It is impossible for me to believe there are going to be nine better podcasts in 2023 than this one. Oh, I completely agree. Huge thumbs up for me for I'm Not a Monster, the Shamima Begum story. I've just never heard anything like what Josh Baker can do. And like Toby said, I'll be honest, like I saw what this podcast was about and I initially was like, oh, another one. It like, seems like the same. Mm-hmm. It's better. And I didn't, I, it's better. It just is. And I loved season one of I'm Not a Monster. I loved it. And season one had one of the best episodes of any podcast I've ever heard in my life. I think it was episode seven, the prison one that Toby was talking about with the most incredible use of sound I've ever heard in a show. Every episode of this season has a moment like that. It's just superior in so many ways. And even if you've no interest in the story at all, Even if you don't find the subject matter interesting at all, and you're just like an audio geek, listen for the sound design. It is incredible. It's really just a beautifully, beautifully reported, a beautifully made show. And I honestly think it should be taught in journalism school. I love everything about this podcast. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the week. The week. A German ballet director has really stepped in it. Marco Goka was so enraged by a negative review that he smeared the critic's face with dog crap. Oh. Goka offered an apology, but then asked the public to see things from his point of view. He said critic Wiebke Huster had given him nasty reviews, killing ticket sales and harming arts and culture in general. Huster had written the latest production was like, quote, alternately driven mad and killed by boredom. I'm going to save that one. It's a good one. (laughs) What's not passing the sniff test is why Goka had a bag of dog poo in his pocket when he passed Hooster in the lobby during intermission. He claimed he just cleaned up after his old dachshund and got carried away. The critic says the poop attack was obviously premeditated. German police are now investigating the assault. Panel, as professional critics yourselves, what is the worst way a podcaster might disagree with your review? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Oh, my goodness. I think they might show up in my quaint AF town of Exeter, New Hampshire, and smear me in my very own town. Mm, what do you think, Toby Ball? What is the very worst way a podcaster could disagree with one of your reviews? Uh, serve me a tuna melt. <laughs> 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 Kevin, as a professional critic yourself, 
What is the worst way a podcaster could disagree with one of your reviews? Make a season two. <laughs> well, I can't or a top number that. two. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, can't top that one. All right. I'm going to end it on that note. Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you on Twitter to find out where your quaint AF town is, they can come and smear you there. Just kidding. How can they find you online? They can find me at Lara Bricker. And Tony Ball, folks want to find out what's your problem with tuna melts. How can they find you on social media? <laughs> I don't think I can confine it to 140 characters, but it's at till we ball NH. It's the hot tuna, isn't it? You don't like the hot tuna? <laughs> I, it's the miracle whip. I love it. All right. So Kevin Flynn, if folks want to find you online, how can they find you? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram or wherever, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And please join our incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Just go to Facebook, find our page, hit join the group. We'll let you in. Support the show at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. You'll get the Crime Writers On after show. You'll get Married with Podcast. You'll get Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the wonderful Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we are still washing the dog shit out of our clothes from our review of Manslaughter. On behalf of all the the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Right now. Clip one. (laughs) That was the clip. (laughs) That was terrorism, Kevin. Explosive. All right, Laura, stop talking to your cats while recording a podcast. That's not allowed. And if you do so, you need to mute your microphone. Okay? New rule. Not like an old rule, though. (laughs) It's like first episode rule. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.